Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. I want to continue preaching on prayer. Uh, uh, started talking about prayer and want to continue to today. And today I want to talk about being persistent in prayer. That prayer is important. How many of you know that? We should pray and not cease praying. But we need to be persistent in prayer. And I'll just, I'll just be real honest with you from the very beginning. I've had a hard time with prayer. Some of you are like, oh no, you're our pastor and you don't like to pray. No, I didn't say I don't like to pray. But I've struggled with prayer. And some of you now are asking why you're here. <laughs> right? But uh, I, I want to be more of a doer. And so sometimes just spending time in prayer for me is a struggle because I want to go ahead and get to work. Right? I, I want to do something. And, and, and it's, it all depends on how we're wired, but I, I have, I've had this misunderstanding about prayer. I think that a lot of us grow up with a misunderstanding of prayer, and, 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 and that continues the difficulty of the process of prayer because there's so much legalistic thinking about prayer. There's so many things where people have, have said and spoken and, and people have taught and, 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 and even, even brought forth Scripture in an incorrect manner. To the, to, I've heard it all my life that, that growing up, that this idea that if you would just pray longer and harder, right? If you pray more effectively, God would do what you're asking Him to do. I talked last week about how that God answers every prayer, right? Some of you are like, well... He's not very loud because I've heard I've prayed a lot of them that he hasn't said anything about. Maybe he has. That's the issue. You're not listening to what he's saying. You're listening to what you want to hear him say, right? And so there's there's all these things we uh, I, I've heard we wouldn't have the problems we have that they would go away if we were better at prayer. How many of you heard, you've heard just some things about prayer that you're like, yeah, I don't think that lines up. I don't think so. Um, I've heard that if, if I was better, that if I was good enough, God would answer me. Right? No, the reasons your prayers, I've heard this too, the reason your prayers aren't being answered is because of that very thing. You, you, you must have sin in your life, you're not good enough. That's crazy. If God didn't answer your prayers because there's sin in your life, you would have never got saved. The redemptive process in your life could have never begun because there was a time in your life where you were enemies with God. And because of our decisions to come close to Him, to cry out to Him in prayer, that is a voice of dependency upon him. Come on, everybody. We're saying to him, God, we can't rely upon ourselves only. We must cry out upon you. We've got to ask someone bigger, someone better, someone with more authority than myself. So I'm going to place my request upon you, God, so that you might hear me and answer me. But, but here's the thing. I, I think even there we've got it a little bit wrong. Because we don't pray to receive an answer from God. I'd encourage you to take some notes this morning. I didn't give you any to 
to write, uh, paper to write down on, but, but I encourage you to take some notes. We, we pray to become closer to God. We don't pray so that we can receive from Him. God knew what you needed before you asked. God knew what you wanted before it was ever a desire of your heart or a need in your life. God, what God desires is to be close to His children. Come on, everybody. Just like parents, we want to be close to our children. We want to be close to the people that we love. And I, I don't know about the ladies in the room, but for the guys, here's the deal. We don't like playing games we can't win. I don't like playing games that I can't win. That's why you board game people, sorry, I'm out. I'll get drinks. I'll cook you something in the kitchen and provide whatever. But me and a plastic figurine duking it out for the next four hours on a roll of a dice chance, that makes no sense to me. Right? You want to get in the floor and see who do the most push-ups? I'm in. Let's go. Game's over quickly. We're back to the snacks. Come on, everybody. And we, we proved something. We accomplished something. Come on, everybody. Right? Yes? All my, lives, all my life, I've been around people that are playing games. And I'm just like, I love you people, but I just don't get it. And it's okay. They can play games. Because they like my cooking. Or my snacking. Or my refills. Right? Or I can tell them what the other people have in their hand. Everything comes with a price, I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> but for some of us, where that leads is, is because we can't win games, we, we, we sometimes think that this is some sort of game we're playing with God, and because of that, may, maybe I can never be the type of prayer warrior that I've heard about. Maybe I can ever be that type of person who, who battles in the spiritual realm and contends for the lives of the people around me. So, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't engage in that process. If I can't be a prayer warrior, I, then, then here's the deal. I can, I can be a hard worker. I can be a faithful trier. Right? And that's because there's a big misperception about why we pray and the benefits of prayer. Okay. Paul Miller said this, he said, prayer is the last great bastion of legalism in Christianity. It makes you quit. That's what legalism does. It makes you critical or makes you quit. And because you come to a point where you think, I've tried. I've tried to live to this standard. I've tried to become more disciplined. I've tried, and no matter how disciplined I've, I, I've become, I always come up short, and it's this, because there's this impossible standard, so what's the point? Because how many of you know the standard is perfection? You, you realize that, right? The standard is a sinful, sinless life, right? That's the standard. And so we come to this pulling our hair out kind of moment in our life where we're like, I can't do it. There's no possible way. I've tried really hard, right? And we get frustrated with the process, and then I can't even fake it any longer. 
How many have been there? You're like, boy, I've tried. I've tried to do it. I've even faked it for a while, right? I, I can't even, I run out of fake. You know what I mean, right? And I, I, I would encourage you today that prayer, listen, prayer is not something that you need to do better. Do you hear me? Now, I'm, if I, I'm, I'm not saying that if you're not praying, you shouldn't start praying. I think you ought to be a person of prayer. I think we ought to be people of prayer, right? But, but you need to understand it better. I think that's what the hang-up is, okay? So it was never meant to be a burden. If prayer is a burden to you, you're approaching it incorrectly, okay? It, it's always meant to be a benefit to you in Jesus Christ. I've heard it said like this, that if, if after prayer you're not encouraged, you weren't praying, you were just complaining. Right? Right? It, it was never meant to be a burden. It, it's not a test that you pass or fail. It's a relationship that you enjoy. It's a relationship that you enjoy. Some people make it really simple. They say things like, prayer is just talking to God. But that's not all prayer is, because you could just talk to your goldfish. You could just talk to your pickup door. I know people that have done that. There was a gentleman this week at Allsup's. A poor guy, he was talking to his bumper. I helped him get in his car. He drove off. But I've been praying for him. You know what I'm and every other driver on the road. Come on, everybody. Right? It, it, it's, it's more than this. Prayer, prayer is more than just talking to God. It's, it's communing with him. It's, it's listening for him to speak. It's allowing him to have a voice in our lives too. Right? In, in prayer, you'll be encouraged and uplifted and inspired challenged, you'll be changed. All of these things happen in prayer. And I'm not going to stand here today and say if you're not praying, you're failing. That's not what I'm saying. I will say if you're not praying, you're missing out. You're totally missing out. And so I would encourage you, for your sake, pray. Spend time with God. Luke chapter 11, if you turn there, in your Bibles um, today or on your phones or whatever, however you're going to look. Luke chapter 11, verse, verse 5 through 13 says this, Then Jesus, teaching them more about prayer, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. How I many know it's midnight? The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, this is Jesus speaking, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless Persistence. Look at your neighbor and say shameless persistence. Let me give you some cultural context here. During this time of history, if someone would have come over to your house, you would be honor bound to serve them something. 
regardless of day or night. You would be honored, but it was part of the culture to host them, to serve them. But in this parable, there's nothing to feed them. Actually, we don't know that. There might be in the cabinet. But what does the grumpy neighbor say? Go away. Right? We're tired. Get out of here. Come on. I don't want to get up. That's what he's saying. How many of you know that's what he's saying? Right? And, and so there's, there's nothing. So, so this would have brought some shame to him and to his family. Listen, and you can't accept that. So what do you do if you're this guy? You go over and start, you start knocking on the neighbor's house, right? And you desire whatever he has, right? Because somebody's come to your house. Now you've gone to the neighbor's house because you didn't have anything, but maybe the neighbor does. So now you're beating on the door. You're knocking on the door, right? And, and the idea is that if you just keep knocking, that he will answer because of your shameless persistence, Right? The word shameless, persistence, in the, original, in the original language is this word impudence. It's the only time it's in the New Testament that it's used, and it's a, it has a negative connotation. That, it means that if, if you're persisting without shame, without embarrassment, you have no shame, right? That was a term that when I was a teenager, you know, for people that just did stupid stuff, right? That guy's got no shame at all, right? He'd wear some goofy outfit. Now looks mainstream. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was at a Major League Baseball game on Thursday night. There was a guy that was there that had a purse. Yeah. No shame. He was actually in our group. <laughs> yeah. No shame. And I was like, well, he's like, man, I can carry all kinds of stuff in this thing. He called it something else in a purse, but I called it a purse. My backpack was on my back. No, mine was in the hotel, but. It means that you're persisting without shame, no, the, the, without embarrassment, you probably, that you probably should feel. Come on. Even though you're excessive and extreme, it's, it's like, hey, man, you're, you're embarrassing yourself, Right? You ever had to say that to somebody? Like they didn't get it. So as nice as you could, you put your arm around them and say, listen, I, I don't know that you understand. Maybe it's a cultural thing or maybe it's this or maybe it's, but you are embarrassing yourself. How many of you have those friends? I'm thankful for those friends. And I know that sometimes in life things get desperate enough that all you can do is just call out to God in prayer. We just cry out to God. There are times that when, when it's all you know how to do, and with all due respect, Lord, I, I'm coming after you and all that you have for me because I'm in real need right now. So, so I'm, I'm asking and I'm begging and I'm beating on the door and I'm knocking and I'm continuing to knock and I'm, I'm persistent in my prayer. Come on, everybody. So that you might give me what I need. And God actually responds to that desperation because it's, it's a reflection of our childlike faith in him. God responds. He goes on to explain it in this way. He says in verse 9, And I tell you, keep on asking. 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks. I want you to understand that last line. It's to, to everyone who knocks, the what? The door will be open. Verse 11 continues to teach. If you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. That kind of that riles us up in the, in the Southwest, right? Like, ooh, that could actually happen. That would be creepy. Verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, so here's, here, here we get a parable, right? What is a parable? A parable is a, a story with a spiritual principle attached to it about our relationship, our relationship with the Father in heaven. That's what this parable is about. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with God through prayer. And so we learn about the power and the persistence of prayer. We learn about the power in persistence. And, and it's not what I was taught growing up, no, no fault of my parents. But as I've been studying prayer, the lesson, uh, the, the lesson based on the example of the bad neighbor is, is a lesson, listen, to be learned in contrast, not in like-mindedness. This isn't drive God nuts till you get what you want. I've heard that preached a lot of times. Just keep begging him and finally he'll give in like a poor parent. Right? Right? Like the little kid that's tugging on his mama in the grocery line for the candy, and they put all the candy right there at eye level for little children to drive their parents crazy with. It's a merchandising genius move is what it is. It is calculated and absolutely on purpose. Because the profit on those things are through the roof, Come on. And so that's where they put that stuff. They put things at eye level for that child to, because people know that parents give in. Right? Now, if you're not a parent, but you're a student, right now you're like, okay, shut up, Pastor Derek, and move on. But good parenting is not just giving in to what everybody wants. I want to say this as clear and as loving as I possibly can, but listen, listen, parents, listen to me. You're not their friends. You're their parents. If you parent well, you can be good friends when they're, when they're older. If you can't parent well, you'll, never, you'll lose them as a friend. You'll lose them as a friend later in life because they'll have no respect for you the way that you brought them up. Right, And so in studying prayer, I've thought that this parable that I've already discussed with you this morning was about, I should just drive him crazy. And finally, God will give in. How many of you understand? You can't make God do anything. Right? What gave us the idea that we could force God's hand in any direction? I love you, but you're not that powerful. Right? 
I, uh, I remember back when our kids were little and they cried in the middle of the night. Occasionally they still do, but we close their doors. <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, it, it, sometimes it, it, thinking about this, it took me back. And I, I remember it took me a minute to get to their room. But there were parts of that that I loved. You know what I'm saying, mom, moms and dads? Because there was a dependency upon you as the parent. Some of you right now, you're still so tired. <laughs> you're like, no. No, I don't want them to cry ever again. They'll grow up and you'll remember back fondly to some things, okay? Um, but I remember when, when I would wrap my arms around them that they would love to cuddle, Right? Unless they were sick, and then it was Gail's turn. <laughs> She's not smiling. Um, but uh, be careful, because if, if, if not, we'll view God through our own failures of character. Um, we're impatient and selfish. God's not. He's very patient and selfless, right? Your father loves when you ask him. He loves when you call out for him. He's not annoyed. He's delighted every time you cry out to him, okay? In verse 7, the neighbor says this, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family, me and my family, and we're all in bed. I can't help you. He's, he's saying, go away. We're closed for the evening." Do you ever need help at times, but you can't get it because everything is closed for the evening? In a small town especially, we know what this is like, right? Everything's closed for the evening. Right back in October this last year, um, I'd never had any teeth issues. I'd, I'd only, until two years ago, I'd only had two cavities in my whole life. Like, I, I, my, I just have good teeth. And... Uh, I don't know what happened. I guess I'm getting older, but I started having teeth problems, and and I I had I went to the doctor, and he's like, oh you, you've got a cracked tooth, and I didn't know it. He's like, yeah, there's pre you're putting pressure for some reason, probably in the middle of the night, you're grinding your teeth, and so I have all these older people problems now. You know, I can't see what I used to be able to see. Things are fuzzy. My teeth are breaking up, right? My joints are tapping out. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, what's going on with me? And uh, can't be because I'm getting older. It can't be that. But, but I, I had to get a root canal. And so they, they gave me a root canal. No big deal. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's expensive. Sure is. And then two weeks later, I needed another one on the other side. And then, then they gave me this mouthpiece. And I'm like, I... I am too old to play football. I'd like to play, but I would not, it would hurt, you know what I mean? And so they put this mouthpiece in my mouth to wear at night so that I don't grind my teeth. And, and then right in the middle of hunting season, I go on a hunt with a guy and I'm, I'm, I'm like, one, one day I'm like, you know, I have this weird pain in my mouth that I've never had before. 
And that morning, it, it was just kind of driving me a little crazy. By two o'clock that afternoon, I wanted someone to put me out of my misery. You know what I'm saying? That happened to be on a Friday. We go to a dentist that Gail has had since she was a little girl in Muleshoe, Texas. I couldn't get to Muleshoe on Friday. And Monday was a holiday. Well, the root canal ruptured and started to abscess. And Sunday I couldn't preach. That's only happened to me two times in 21 years. I was at home literally in more pain than I've ever been in in my life. I've broken, <laughs> you name it, I've broken. And I, I, that hurt so bad. And I could do nothing about it. Have you been there? When you needed something and no one was open? Look at that parable again and understand the neighbor says, don't bother me. The door's locked and we, we can't help you. They were closed. Listen, through prayer, your father is open 24-7. There's not a moment that he's not attentive to your need. Come on, everybody. He doesn't have holiday hours. He doesn't go on vacation. He's there. He doesn't have to divide his attention between you and the other hundreds of thousands of people, millions of believers. Come on, everybody. He hears you and wants to come to your rescue to love you, support you, care for you, provide for you, whatever it may be. Your father hears you. And I've got some great friends but how many of you know middle-of-the-night friends are next-level friends? Right? If anyone ever helps you move, you immediately write them in your will. Because those are people that actually love you. Right? Because everyone says, if I can do ever do anything for you. Okay. Ring, ring. We're moving. Oh, yeah, I'm busy. I'm gone. Sure wish I was going to be in town that day. You're like... You know? I, Psalm 121, verse 4. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. He's protecting you before you ever realize that there was a threat. He's providing for you before you ever knew that you had a need. And this story is a good picture of how it is between us and God before your faith in him, before Jesus, your sin separated you from God. You understand that, right? And yet on the cross, he shed his blood for our sins and his blood washed away our sins and made us clean. Made us clean from our own failures from our own sin. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, the veil of the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the common place in the temple was torn in two, right, from the top to the bottom. Before that, only one person, one time a year, could enter into the Holy of Holies, to that, to that area that's close to God. 
But God said, no, 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 no. That's not how that I desire relationship with mankind. I want to be close to them. So I send my son to rescue and redeem them. And then I'm coming too. Come on, everybody. I'm coming in presence and in power. Right? I love that God's presence shows up before the power of God shows up in Acts chapter 2. The presence of God comes and rips the, the, the veil from the top to the bottom. And Jesus on the cross cries out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Because he too relied upon his Savior, his Lord, God. He relied upon his Father. And we see a desperation and a continual persistence of prayer even in the life of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. To connect with the Father because he's, listen, he is always available to us. Listen, your, your Father is always accessible. Always accessible. There are no locked doors. So please understand this. Praying persistently doesn't mean that eventually, again, we wear God down. A lot, a lot of people have this idea from this parable, this parable, and especially the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. And as I've studied more on prayer, I think there's probably more bad teaching on Luke chapter 18 in the parable of the, uh, the, parable of the persistent widow. And it's not teaching you to wear God down through persistence. That's not at all what it's doing. Often te- people preach like that, teach like that. But like, like God, he's like, like God is a slightly less grumpy version of the grumpy neighbor in the parable. That's not the case. Or a slightly nicer version of the unjust judge in Judges 18 or in Luke 18. That's not the case. Like, like he said, no, the, the first time, but eventually, if he, if he said no the first time, you're eventually going to wear him out. So just keep asking. Listen, here's the truth. We can't wear God down. We can't do it. So what's the point about praying persistently? Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Knock and the door will be open to you. It's not because he's annoyed, and it's not because you knocked for a long time. It says every time you knock, it will be open. Did you read it? It's not knock and then come back and knock again. It's knock and the door will be open to you. It's, it's like when you're expecting company and they knock and you just yell from the kitchen, come on in. Why? Because you're expecting them. Listen to me, your father is expecting for you to cry out to him. He's expecting for you to need him. You're in relationship with him. In relationship, we need each other. Come on, everybody. Don't get to a point where you don't need anybody. That'll pose a big problem in your world. We need one another. We need the relationship that we have with God. We've, we've got to have a dependence Upon him. I know we, as people, we celebrate this weekend in our nation the independence of our nation. Come on, everyone. And freedom's a wonderful thing. Understand this. We don't, we don't walk in independence in our spiritual condition. 
we desire as followers of Christ to be dependent upon God. One of the reasons why this is so important for us to learn to pray with persistence is in praying and persistently you discover how good God is. Luke 11, verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. You don't do that. That's crazy, right? How many of you, every time you've heard this scripture, you're like, that's nuts. Why would anyone do that? Can you imagine a kid asking for a snack and you handing them a snake? Who would do that? You're like, well, snake people. Well, if I cut the head off the snake and slit that thing down the belly and skin it out and throw it on the fire, snake people freak out. Come on. Well, you shouldn't hurt it. Well, it caused me to hurt myself, so God said to fill the earth and subdue it. Right? It's one of my life verses. And so I eat stuff. Come on. But I kill it before I eat it. Some people just eat it. A lot of times we, we have this twisted view of God like we can't trust him, and it's based on bad teaching. Maybe you had a dad that was like that. Dad, teach me to swim. <laughs> okay, son. Come here. Chunks you in the deep end. Right? Watch you flop around like a fish out of water. Come on. Well, that's one way to learn. Sure is. That's how I learned. Well, whoever was a jerk to you, you certainly followed suit. Hello? A lot of times we develop a mindset about God just like that. People will say things like, be careful what you ask for. Be careful asking God for patience. I wouldn't pray for patience. I've heard this. Right? And it's like they have this creepy laugh. <laughs> He'll make you wait, all right. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I don't know that I want a relationship with this mean person. Right? Literally, we formulate the way people think about the Father by stupid things that we say like this. Right? Be careful asking God to make you humble because he'll bring you low. Who's a parent in the room? Raise your hand. If you had a child that said, you know, I just really want, I want to learn, like, to be more humble. You just grab them, headlock them, shave her little head, <laughs> this will teach you a thing or two. You'll learn to be humble now. <laughs> what? We think like this about God. Well, I can't ask for those things. God will be mean to me. God's not going to be mean to you. God loves you like a father with a child. He's our father, everybody. Right? Right? Your kid came up to you, Dad, I want to be more generous. <laughs> you, 
You go, okay, here we go. You go home and gather all their stuff up and give it to the neighbor. What do you think about that, little Johnny? Johnny's like, I hate generosity. Right? No way would we do that. That's sadistic. Some crazy person would do that to their kid, right? But, but we have been led to believe that we can't just ask God for good things. Listen to me. You can ask God for anything. You can ask him for everything. Ask of the Lord, right? Ask of the Lord. Verse 13. So if you sinful people, that's all of us, right? Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Prayer reveals the goodness of our heavenly Father. That's what prayer does. Persisting in prayer reveals the goodness of our Father. And here's a tip for you, okay? And I'm not being legalistic. I'm just giving you some some thoughts, okay? Listen, make a prayer list. Have a prayer list in your life. Most of you have a phone there. Keep it with you, right? Make a list. It will remind you of what you're praying for. It'll help keep you track. It'll help you keep track of answered prayer too. It'll, it'll, it's a faith-building exercise. Come on, everybody. And, and I would ask you right now, listen. I would ask you right now, what are you praying for? Write something down. Right now, in the message, while I'm speaking, write something down that you're praying for, that you're praying about, Right? Write it down so that you will remember to pray for it beyond the moment that you're currently in. Because right now, the Lord will help bring to your memory something that you need to ask him about. And if you're stumped, what is it? Just give yourself a moment. What do I desire, what do I need that I don't currently have? Look at me. It can be as selfish as you want. Well, I need new trucks. What I need. Well, then ask. Some of you have been taught that you can't ask for things like that. He's a good father. Right? Come on. Ask him. Here's what I know. The more you ask God the more your prayer is diversified. You won't just continue to ask God for selfish things or materialistic things, but because you're in relationship with Him through the process of prayer, you'll begin to ask God about all kinds of things. I'll get to that in just a minute, but listen, it'll it'll help you so much. One of the things, and, and be persistent, be persistent in praying. Come on, everybody. Be persistent in prayer. Right? What, what are the things that God has answered that you were praying about last year at this time? Wouldn't it be great to, in your prayer list, have, have dates out beside some stuff where God answered your prayer? That'd be awesome. Right? Incredible. Right? Jen's not in here, but, you know, Jen and Bobby, for a while, they, they wanted more children, and they thought it'd probably come through adoption. Foster care and adoption, Right? And then God gave them another baby. They got a date. God answered a prayer. 
right? So it will help, it will build your faith, okay? Persistent prayer, prayer that you go back to the Lord about over and over again, it's important. How many of you know that in the United States last week, there was a persistent prayer that was answered? Yes. That the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. That was a 50-year persistent prayer of people that desired God to change that decision that had been acted upon in our nation. 50 years. And we should rejoice that God has overturned that. We should rejoice. And if, if that's a problem for you, may I encourage you, please read the Bible. Please, please dig in to the word of God. Don't get caught up in all the what ifs and that and this and over there, maybe here and maybe there. No, 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 no. God is a God of, he's a life-giving God. He's a life-giving God. He loves to give new life. Come on, everybody. And it is not, it is not within us to take it away. Rightly, it's not. There will be judgment for that. Well, you shouldn't talk about it. It's a political issue. It's not a political issue at all. It's not a political issue. And, and, and let me say it really clear. This is a pro-life church. Okay? What, okay, so some of you are like, well, well what does that mean? It means that, and, and let me help you, it means that we don't just take up a cause and hold a sign and get real loud. We put our money where our mouth is. We put our action where our heart is. And we serve children and families, and we have from the beginning, and we will continue to till the end. Don't, don't tell me that I'm some political activist because I'm on the, the side of life. Come with me to serve youth and kids for 20-something years. Go with me to literally purchase prostitutes off the street in India to rescue them, to get them away from their pimps in the middle of the night. Go with me to watch babies that were partially aborted in nations around this world. Go with me to Albuquerque, New Mexico and talk to young women that are in the middle of the night in the last few days of their pregnancy going to abortion clinics in the middle of the night to end the pregnancy. Because in the state of New Mexico, until the, day, till the, till the act of labor is in process, they can have an abortion. That's sick. And persistent prayer has got us where we are. 
and people are freaking out and running the streets and getting real mouthy about all these things. But the people that are mouthy are not the people at work helping families and children. Go ask Planned Parenthood for assistance. They have none for you. They'll give you a condom or tell you where to go to get an abortion. They won't help you raise your kid. Do you feel the tension in the room? It's because there's a battle in the room. And, and may I say this, God will have the last say. So let us not be single focused on one issue, but let us pursue working for and caring for all people who, who are in need, desperate need, of help and love and encouragement. Come on, everybody. And, and listen to me. And let us not be, let us not look down our proverbial noses for any reason, for anyone, because as Scripture reads that I read it, we are all sinners. Not one better than the next. But don't cower to the culture and keep your mouth shut because you don't want to offend a friend you would think different if your friend grabbed your three-year-old and put a gun to their face. Remember, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to pray more. I'm trying to get you to focus on God's goodness and our connection with God in prayer and the persistence of prayer over time. It changes things. Come on, everybody. Right? And, and, and I think God blesses us more. I don't think God blesses us more when we pray. But I know that we notice God more when we pray. And the awareness of his goodness is a blessing all on its own. Right? There are some things that, that God wants to give you, but he will wait until you notice him. It's not that he's not answering your prayer, but he'll wait till you notice. And prayer puts our attention on him. And that leads to us praying more persistently. Come on, everybody. Think about this. When you only pray for health, when you're sick, you won't ever think about being the healthy days that God has given you all along. All along. How many days did God stop the first cancer cell that grew in your body that you never knew about? Well, I can't say that he did. Well, you can't say that he didn't. Right? How many times has God overwhelmed a physical condition and, and made you whole? Right? Two years ago, the entire world's focus was how many people are dying. Well, how many people are living? How many people overcame? How many people did God bring through? Come on, everybody. Right? But Luke, Luke listen, we talked, we talked about this last week. He, he promised to always give when we ask. God always answers, but we have to pay attention to what he promised, okay? Rather, who he promised to, us to, okay? If you ever had to go back over a scripture and read it slowly so that you, okay, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, 
Check this out. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It doesn't say that God will always give you what you ask for. It says that He will always give you who you need. And the Holy Spirit is not a consolation prize. He's who we need. He's who we need. And see, sometimes you ask God for help and you think he said no, when really he said yes, but it, but it was a yes that you weren't listening for. It was a yes you weren't. See, sometimes that happens. Well, I prayed and asked God for a spouse, and he said no. Because he, know he knows you, you couldn't be married. Because you got some learning to do. Come on. Um, or I ask for this career path to open up. Sometimes he's developing in us the patience to receive what he wants for us. Yes? Sometimes he does make the annoying person in your life go away. How many have prayed that? God, move these out of my life. And sometimes he gives you the Holy Spirit to love that annoying person. To grow you. Sometimes we go to God and ask for difficult season to come to an end. Sometimes he gives us the Holy Spirit to develop joy in us while walking through a difficult season. God won't always give us what we ask for, but he will give us who we need. Come on, everyone. Through persistent prayer, God defines our desires. He defines our desires. Parents, again, you'll remember this. When your kid wakes up after a couple hours of sleep, what do they almost always ask for? Something to drink or eat, right? I want to, I want, I want, Dylan, Dylan loves some chocolate milk. That kid still loves chocolate milk. There's nothing wrong that a little chocolate milk don't help, right, Dylan? Yeah, but Dylan, he, would, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't mess with me. He'd just walk to my bedside. He'd be looking at me, chocolate milk, daddy. And sometimes I just gave him chocolate milk. Other times I knew he doesn't really need chocolate milk. Right? So I'd pick him up and he'd kind of melt into your chest. You know what I mean? What he was after was the comfort of his father. Listen, when you're persistent in prayer, sometimes you don't even see it that you're asking for something you may not need. But what you really need is the consistent love and intimacy between you and your father. You, you want to know he's listening. He's hearing you. He's invested, involved in your life. Come on, everybody. That's how prayer works. We give them, we, we, they receive comfort, right? And they were needing peace. And it, when, when that happens, rest falls upon them. I, I can't tell you, some of you are going to laugh at this, but I can't tell you how many times I have fallen asleep in this room during prayer. And at first you're like, <laughs> you're just weak prayer. That may be the case. But what if God took the burden away to the point of giving me rest? Because probably I wasn't sleeping at night. Come on. Persistence in prayer. 
we, we need a reminder of his love. We need a reminder that we're near to him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we keep praying for good things. Good things keep happening. Come on. Come on. We see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. We talked about this some last week. The night before Jesus goes to the cross. He's praying. It says in, in Matthew chapter 26. He went a little further and bowed his to his, with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taking away, taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away. You see how it changed? His prayer changed. One to the next. Unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Verse 44. So he went away a third time to pray saying the same thing again. Jesus wasn't praying and continuing to pray to get freedom from the cross. He was praying and continuing to pray for strength for the cross. Father, if you could take this away, I'd love that. And then what does he say? Father, not my will. Yours be done. Yours be done. A submission to what the Father desired for all mankind. Jesus knew what needed to happen. How many of you realize that? Write, write this down. I'm going to close with this. Listen, first, praying changes the prayer. The person praying. Praying changes the prayer then prayer changes the actual prayer that you're praying, okay? Then prayer changes your life. Prayer changes the prayer. That's me if I'm praying. Then change, prayer changes the prayer that I am praying. And then prayer, prayer begins to change my life. Jesus was so stressed, he's sweating drops of blood, but as he prayed, it starts it started shifting, even in him. You see it? Even in him, it starts shifting. It's shifting, it's shifting. But as he prayed, it filled him with courage to face the cross. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Can I give you some encouragement here? Listen to me. The more you pray, not my will, but yours be done, the more courage you receive. Because you're no longer walking in something you can accomplish. You're relying upon what God has to do through you, in you, with you. Come on, everyone. I love this quote by James McDonald. He says this, in prayer, God is making us spiritually fit to receive what he's already been willing to do. Man, that's good. In prayer, God is making us spiritually fit to, already, to receive what he's already been willing to do. Worship team, if you guys have come, musicians. Luke 18, verse 1 says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. That we don't give up. That we don't give up. Come on. Sometimes Jesus is showing us that, that we, just, we just can't give in. We don't give up. We don't, we don't pray persistently. Waiting. Listen, waiting will damage you. 
if you don't wait in prayer. It'll damage you. It'll damage you. I'm telling you, Proverbs says this. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Just waiting will damage you. But waiting persistently in prayer changes you. It challenges you. Come on, everybody. What are you praying for today? What are you praying about right now? What have you waited a long time? Listen, if you wait a long time, you can lose hope. And when you lose hope, you can become heart sick. That's what happens. But when you pray persistently, you won't lose heart because you'll stay connected to the source of hope. The source of hope is the Father. Come on, everybody. He is the source of hope for our life. So what are you praying for? God is the one. You turning your face toward heaven. You're, you, you decidingly choosing that, God, I, I want to hear from you. So I'm going to bring to you these requests. I'm going to bring to you these needs of my life. I know you already know them, but me saying them to you is another, another cry for my reliance upon you. That we begin to ask. So what is it you're praying for? You're praying for healing. For you or someone else. Pray for healing. Pray for hope. Right? We live in a hopeless world. So many people don't have hope. So many people don't have hope. Right? We need hope in our world again. We need a restored focus upon God and His goodness. We need to pray about lost loved ones. We need to we need to seek God. God desires that all would come to salvation. So God, we're going to pray for these people in our lives that we know we know they don't have a relationship with you. So we're going to bring them to you again, over and over again. Not nagging you, but reminding ourselves there's hope in you. There's hope in you. Just like me, you brought me to salvation. God, you can bring them to salvation. Pray for them. Lost love. Pray. pray. Keep on praying. Just keep on praying. I love what Romans 12 says. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We've got to be confident in Him that when we, we come to God in prayer, it's not like, well, I ask a lot of things, but I don't hear much. No, no, no. We're confident in Him. We pray to God. Listen, if wife or your kid was in need of a desperate touch from heaven, would you be praying differently than you're praying about the things you're praying about right now? Somebody that you love very much, if they're, if they're in that moment between life, life and death, would you, would you seek heaven a little bit more persistently than you're currently seeking those lost loved ones in your pray about right now all over this room my encouragement for you first of all would be man make sure make sure that you've given your life to Christ you're the only person in the room that can know if you've truly done that that he's leading your life that you're relying upon him 
God, my dependence is upon you. Cry out to God. Give your life to him. Let him become your Lord. What are you praying about? God, we pray. We pray right now for the lost people in our lives. We pray for the spirit of deception that runs rampant in in our communities, in our culture. And we just ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would cut through it all. You give people hope. That you'd open their eyes to see how good you are. Scripture says it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. God, allow us to, to know the kindness that you offer, the forgiveness of every sin, the love and encouragement and guidance that you have, the people that you place in our lives to help and encourage us through life, that we're never alone, but you, Lord Jesus, have provided for us in every single way. We pray today. We pray for a renewed heart and mind about spiritual growth in our own lives. So God, this summer we're taking time to lean in to some spiritual disciplines and placing those in our lives so that we might not, we, we might not just take the summer off, but we would grow in our spiritual walk with you. For that to happen, there's got to be a collision course with some things in us that need to change so God changes. Help us. Let us see. Give us hope. God, may we be people that no longer keep our mouths closed and don't share our faith with the outside world, but God, may we declare your goodness. For you love all people. So God, allow us to speak with love allow us to speak with discernment allow us God to to challenge the culture around us in a way that draws people to your heart not repels them away from you help us to know Lord God and help people's hearts to be softened to receive what you have for them not what we desire for them but what you have for them thank you for listening with us today You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tucumcarryfa or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.